with deflections and steals. Bembry, Watanabe, corner three, bucket and book it. Oh, Utah! Watanabe with a denial. Siakam. The bench. Look at this. Get that garbage oh. out of there. Oh! <laughs> and Watanabe, the corner three, is good from Squamish. Since the last podcast, the Raptors have gone two and three with two resounding victories, sandwiching a trio of underwhelming performances. However, one thing has remained consistent in that the role players have continued to perform for Nick Nurse. We're going to focus on Utah Watanabe, one of the stars of the Raptors season. I've been waiting so long for this episode. Finally, we can do an instalment on the life and playing career of Yuta Watanabe, affectionately known by the Japanese media as the Chosen One. And this episode will go into his history. We've kind of done this episode in previous seasons on other lesser known players for the Raptors. And this is the first time we're doing it this season. And Utah Watanabe was a surefire pick for us this week because we've liked what we've seen from him so far and his story is perhaps both a simple one but also an incredibly interesting one. Before I specifically delve into Utah's life, we need to put his position and his playing career in context because as most of you will know he is of Japanese origin and that is part of the reason why there's such a clamor and hype around this young man because alongside Rui Hashimura he is one of two current Japanese players in the league and both of these guys it seems have our whole country behind them and supporting them. So it'll be interesting to see what kind of opportunities both of them do get in the league. Of course, Rui did get drafted in the first round, whereas Utah's, of course, had a slightly different path, which we will go into. But we need to put their individual careers into the context of Japanese uh, basketball. Because... When it comes to sport in Japan, I mean, um, Japanese fans, uh, Japanese people, they are f- fanatics for sport. Indeed, um, the main sport that probably springs to mind for a lot of, uh, you know, Japanese people is uh, baseball. Baseball, I, I believe it's really number one there. Of course, you've got sumo, which is kind of like American football to the US, uh, meaning that uh, it is incredibly popular in Japan, but it hasn't really been exported to foreign markets. But from what I know and from what I've researched, it seems that baseball is number one. And when it comes to baseball, it has received a lot of support from Japan. Japan has had its own professional league for a long time, but they've also exported uh, a significant number of players to the uh, major league in America. And probably the most famous one is uh, Ichiro. Uh, 
also known as, you know, Ichiro Suzuki's his full name, but, you know, you know you, when you're a great player, you're just known by one name. So uh, he's known as Ichiro, like Kobe Bryant is known as Kobe, uh, if you catch my drift. Anyway, this guy, um, if you don't know any baseball, um, I don't really know much baseball, but I know enough that I know Ichiro is a legend. Check out some of his highlights. Uh, he's pure finesse and class. Um, currently, they also have a young player in the major leagues called Shohei Otani who's also a really cool player because he's one of the few in the league I'm not sure if there's many others in the league that are exceptional are both pitching and batting Um, I think this was something that was done in major league baseball uh, maybe 70-80 years ago where there were players that could do both but it's been uh, very rare that we've seen well the league has seen players who are very very talented at both so he's kind of shouldering the aims and ambitions of a of almost a whole country when it comes to uh, Japanese baseball so with that diversion we're going to go back to basketball why have I talked about baseball for three minutes the point is basketball ranks ranks uh, sorry uh, past tense ranked and indeed pretty much still does rank behind most of the other major sports in Japan um, it's certainly behind baseball. It's probably behind football, even tennis with Kei Nishikori uh, leading the way for Japan there. So it hasn't received, you know, the same amount of attention as all these other sports. And so the reason Yuta's role is so important for, you know, the Japanese basketball community is because he was part of uh, him... Before, it was before Rui Hachimura. He started to receive some attention and he really brought about this um, newfound, you know, fanaticism and uh, interest in basketball in the country. That's why he's been labelled as the chosen one, despite Rui Hachimura actually making it, like I said, in the first round in the league. Utah is idolised just as much as Rui Hachimura, if not more than Hachimura, despite going um following a more circuitous route into the league of course uh he had to make his way through the g league so to put it into context he's kind of carrying almost a whole sport on his shoulders uh in the u.s the hopes and dreams of so many japanese basketball fans rest on him and rui and so for the average fan who doesn't know his story, uh, you know, you, you look at him on the bench, you think, okay, he's a foreign player and, um, you know, he's he's not super important. He's playing five to ten minutes a game. There's a potential for him to develop with this Raptors team. But for somebody who doesn't know, know his stories, they don't understand how much pressure he's under. It's crazy. And... Um, you can read about some stories about... There's one that I read, I believe it was with the SB Nations article, which was my primary source for this episode. It goes really in-depth. It was an excellent article. But there was one story of a Japanese woman, supposedly, and I believe this has been exaggerated, which is what Yuta has, in fact, said himself. But there was one Japanese mother who was attempting to take a picture with Yuta and supposedly... Because she couldn't get through this crowd of people, she ended up 
or lobbing her uh, baby at Yuta for him to catch. And of course, Yuta wasn't going to drop that shit. He's a fucking amazing rebounder. He grabbed that baby like it was a offensive rebound. Fortunately, he didn't uh, put back slam the thing, but uh, he ended up catching the baby and taking a picture with this woman. And yes, like I said, Yuta did say it's, it was exaggerated, but she did, he, in his words, force the baby on him in order to take this picture. But that picture should paint... Sorry, that uh, story should paint you a picture as to, uh, again, this kind of support that he has. That's a lot of background. <laughs> the last bit of background I wanted to mention was uh, I'm a fan of Japanese culture. I said it, I think, in a previous episode and also a big fan of uh, Kuroko's basketball. Um, I, th- I think that's what it's called. Anyway, it's an anime basketball series, which is uh, a series that a friend of mine recommended to me who's also a big fan of anime. And he knows I lot like my basketball. He said, yo, check this out. I'm sure some of you may have watched it as well. And uh, of course, Yuta, for those of you who do know, uh, Mirror, Mirrors, sorry, uh, Kagami, what was his name again? Uh, I really should know this, but I think it's Kagami Tiger, um, that, who's like the, one of the main protagonists in the show. But this is basically a Japanese guy who... Um, the first thing I researched was uh, his family background because we've done it for a previous play and we and we do this sort of armchair psychoanalysis to try and work out what their motives are as players as people uh, you know to try and understand um, why exactly Nick Nurse uh, chose them to be part of the team and why he may think that they fit with the system that the Raptors have got in place because Nick Nurse seems to be a coach who focuses more, well, maybe not more so, but he certainly places a a great deal of importance on the characters of the players because he understands that that's what drives the development of these young up-and-coming players. If you have the right mindset and even a decent level of talent, you've got a much better chance of succeeding in, in, in his mind than somebody who's very talented but have got no work ethic at all. And so when we look at Utah, um, he was raised in a small village known as Miki in the Kagawa prefecture, which is a prefecture located, well, at first it's the smallest prefecture in Japan, and it's located in one of the smaller islands of Japan. And so it's basically, everything about it is small, insular. Uh, It seems like a beautiful place. It's got a bunch of, you know, Buddhist temples. It's known for its famous udon noodles. But, you know, I've not seen the place. I haven't been able to read too much about it because it is just a really small, insignificant area in Japan. But it seems to be worlds away from the big city life that you have in the lights of LA and New York, but indeed in Toronto, where he's located now. So... Imagine, I'm just thinking, it must be so bizarre for him to, you know, be leading this uh, NBA life. And indeed, it may be why he carries himself in a certain way, but also lives his life in the US in a certain way. Again, I'll talk about that a little bit later. 
And both of his parents were indeed basketball players. And his mom paid for the national team, I believe. And so this kind of parallels uh, Yao Ming's story because I believe both his parents were um, basketball players as well. I'm not sure if they were basketball players or really tall. I probably should research this. But I believe that they were encouraged by the Chinese government uh, to, you know, marry and produce offspring in order to increase the likelihood, you know, producing a really tall uh, son or daughter and you know it ended up working out with Yao Ming I don't think that's what happened uh, with Yuta it wasn't like encouraged by any means by the government but just so happens that they found each other and um, I think the a- average Japanese person is of a shorter height than perhaps people in the west and so uh, the fact that Yuta is six foot nine is largely attributed to the fact that he is going to have parents who are much more on the taller side in Japan compared to uh, the average person in Japan. So very interesting. For me, that's really interesting. Uh, that That's where he comes from. He, that, that is why he loved basketball from a young age. He was coached from a young age. Indeed, Kobe was his idol from about the age of eight or nine. And Indeed, he said from when he was around that age, he always dreamed of making it um, to a uh, college in the US and eventually to make it to the NBA. So this was his big goal for most of his life. And so there's no wonder why he plays with the, you know, the aggression and hustle that he plays with on the court, because he was almost born, just born into this. He was born to be a basketball player. Um, it's it's a very anime backstory, to be honest. <laughs> uh, I yeah, again, if you guys watch anime, it's like it's just, it's almost unbelievable when I was reading about this. I like, <laughs> I was in uh, shock. It, it was making me laugh. You guys can hear now. Like it was ridiculous. Um, but the way it mirrors his story, Kagami was also a Japanese player who ended up going to the US in order to uh, develop his skills. And he also plays power forward like Yuta. So perhaps Yuta watches the show for inspiration. And indeed, the creators of the um, anime may have actually used Yuta himself as inspiration because I'm not sure when exactly Kuroko's basketball was made. But, um, you know, the parallels in their story are... Now I think about it, it's quite interesting. Um, so, you know, waffle aside, I recommend that everyone checks it out. And before I divert you guys too far away from what we were supposed to be talking about, let's get into the meat and bones of the story. So when talking about his basketball career, he led his Japanese school to the second position in the uh, high school it's called the all japan high school tournament again it's eerily similar to kuroko's basketball they won the national championship in the anime and uh, again the similarities are crazy I, i from my research it seems like there is no link between the two so really they're just uh quite weird coincidences anyway um that led to a lot of hype in the country. Indeed, there's a 2013 article by the Japan Times 
where it talks about Utah's ambitions for reaching NCAA Division One basketball and then eventually enrolling into the NBA. And indeed, they towards the end of the article, they say, who knows, if he does the right things, he could end up being a great all-around player like LeBron James or Kevin Durant for Japan in the future. So the whole country was hyping this man up from when he was 18. Uh, it's really spectacular. He ended up going uh, to the US where he again achieved success at St. Thomas More Prep School. He ended up uh, helping the team get to the National Prep Championship game. So this guy was really leading his teams to excel at every stage in his career. And this story of progression just continued once he attended George Washington University Colonials. He was there for all four seasons and he increased his points per game every single season. He ended up with 16.6 points a game in his final year on decent efficiency from the three. But most notably, he became an all-round defender. He was able to guard multiple positions and he ended up being named to the uh, conference defensive player of the year. So um, just really fantastic to see. And uh, that will be the theme for him going forward. It's first and foremost, he is a very, very good defender. Probably for the NBA at the moment, he still needs to add more weight for his frame. Um, Indeed, when he was, you know, around 18, 19 years old, he only weighed 73 kilograms. That's obviously not the case now, but the point being is that he's always had a very slim and slender frame, kind of similar to Kevin Durant. And indeed, he does mention Kevin Durant as one of his inspirations uh, defensively, along with Kawhi Leonard. So, um, yeah, after, uh, you know, seeing this improvement in college, he had a shot of potentially uh, being drafted late in the second round, but this was unlikely. And Indeed, he ended up going undrafted, but after a stint in the summer camp, um, not summer camp, sorry, the summer league with the Brooklyn Nets, he ended up getting a two-way contract with the Memphis Grizzlies. And that is where the story will be taken over by Kamel. But man, I have loved researching this story. I've loved telling this story. Um... I hope the best for this kid. Uh, I think he's, given how the season is going, if I was Nick Nurse, he would be one of the players who I'd be testing out because he is looking to cement his role as a 3 and D player. So he's not just capable of giving you a little bit of hustle in garbage time, grabbing some boards, playing some defense. He's looking to also become a if not lethal, uh, at least a very efficient scorer, an efficient shooter, sorry, uh, especially from the three. So, yeah, I do think he has the tools and um, I'll be watching him very closely as the season goes on. Now, despite four strong years in college, things did not go all to plan for Utah Watanabe. Despite strong G League performances after signing a two-way contract with the Memphis Grizzlies, he really struggled to crack the actual rotation despite Memphis then and still being a struggling team 
in the NBA. He just played 15 games in the 2018-19 season, averaging almost 12 minutes, but only 2.6 points a game, two rebounds. He was really struggling to make an impact. You may have thought that as he developed going forward, this maybe he would have played a slightly larger rotation, especially as key Memphis players started to leave one by one. But no, 2019 to 20 season, 18 games, and his minutes actually halved, which is very surprising. He shot a bit better, he went from 29% from the floor to 44%, but again his points dropped to just two points a game and his rebound numbers halved. So overall it wasn't looking great for Watanabe, he was proving very popular in Japan. There's actually statistics that show and figures that show that his merchandise was selling amazingly over in Japan. And uh, the Grizzlies were actually just third behind the Warriors and the Lakers in terms of uh, you know, things like shirts and jerseys sold uh, in that country. Now, things really started to turn around when the Raptors, of course, when Masai Ujiri, who of course is a genius in signing struggling or undrafted players, decided to give a go to Utah Watanabe. On the 27th November 2020, he signed an Exhibit 10 contract which would enable him to join the Raptors for pre-season. In three weeks, they knew they liked what they saw. And he was signed to a two-way contract which would enable him to play in the NBA. But still, no one, no serious analyst or fan really thought he would begin to crack the rotation. He made an okay debut. Nine minutes in the opening day win against the New York Knicks. Uh, he got four rebounds and a block and a steal and... No one was really taking notice apart from, okay, this guy, we'll see him in garbage time, much like the Brunos and uh, the Deshaun Watsons before him. However, interestingly enough, it was actually his four minutes against the Boston Celtics, which got him his first mention on this podcast whatsoever. Because in those four minutes, he defended Jason Tatum, who'd scored over 40 points that game, much better than anyone else in the Raptors roster did. And suddenly you could see that energy coming through. You could see that hardworking nature on both ends of the floor coming through. And he played four minutes. Let's calm down. But there was potential there. Let's move on. 16 minutes against Phoenix. He had a chance to show what he could. Still wasn't delivering in terms of the box score, but the eye test he was passing with flying colours. And that's why he earned 19 minutes in the next game against Sacramento. And then another 15 against Charlotte a few days later. Utah was becoming a very good 7th or 8th man, especially in the absence of players who could defend taller opponents, you know, without Gasol in Ibaka. You needed someone who you can Put a body on, and as Viral said before, yes, Watanabe is a skinny build, but he's strong, he's hardworking, and he's quick, and he can defend versatile bigs extremely well. He was actually becoming one of the group of three or four, sort of six foot nine, six foot ten, sturdy, solid, high energy defenders that Nick Nurse trusted on the floor, alongside, of course, the likes of. Stanley Johnson, who's also made a revival, OG Ananobi, Old Reliable, and DeAndre Bembry, who was another very clever pickup, I'm sure we'll talk about another time. He went through a quiet stretch of a few games against Shot during the win streak, well, 
Of course, the Raptors, if you remember, had a five-game winning streak. Went a bit quiet, but it was his game against Indiana, which he topped 21 minutes, which was really his breakout game. Now, again, you look at Watanabe's stats and you think, okay, this guy's a pretty average garbage time player. But it's his play on the court that really endears him to fans, to coaches, and is why he will go far this season. Some of that cashed in. His expected points, as it were, almost cashed in in the last two games. 12 points against the Sacramento Kings and 11 points against Orlando, some of which you heard yesterday included, of course, three corner threes. Now, he's shooting 50% from three, right? And that's taking two to four threes a game. He's becoming a reliable shooter, not only from the, behind the arc, but also the free throw line. He's getting to the line more. He goes to the line four times against Indiana and twice both against Orlando and Sacramento. In terms of rebounds, he's already topping his Memphis numbers, 3.4 rebounds a game. But what's important actually is his stocks, right? And when it's stocks, of course, for those who are unfamiliar with the fantasy lingo, blocks and steals. He is delivering on that. And even when he's not, he is a nightmare to play against. While Watanabe doesn't necessarily have a specialist skill, a defining skill, which endears him to the larger NBA teams, he's basically a jack of all trades. He can shoot, he can defend, but overall, he can use his huge wingspan and soft touch around the basket, and more importantly, his mentality, right? His aggressiveness, his energy, his concentration, and of course, lastly, his pace. All he needs to do is carry on trending up. He doesn't matter if he's not scoring double digits every game. I mean, of course, it would help, but it doesn't matter at all because he has fully proven himself on both ends of the floor. He plays with energy. He can guard any position from the three to the five and doesn't seem to let it slip for one moment, even when it's garbage time. He keeps on going. And you can tell every game he plays, he's playing like it's his trial game. Like if he doesn't give 100%, he's going to get cut. And that's such a healthy attitude. I can wax lyrical for hours about this gentleman. But all I need to say is Yuta Watanabe is not only one to watch for the future, he's one to watch now. <laughs>